Hey everyone, Jason Shappert here, and you're listening to the CFI Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How can we teach our learners beyond the ACS? Hey, Missouri Nation, Jason Shappert here of M0A.com. This is I share this every month, I feel like. It's my favorite podcast, I'm not gonna lie. The CFI Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast. Question for you, where are you right now? You should be at Oshkosh. As of this post, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm home in Florida in our studio right now, but I'm actually at Oshkosh. This was just recorded well in advance. Will you come say hi? We're in Hangar B. Hangar Bravo, I hope you'll come check us out and say hi. Um, if you're watching this on the day this posts, this is also the day of our super exclusive top secret little party that we're doing at Oshkosh for so many of you. So if you're watching this the day of, I hope to see you tonight. If not, if you're watching, listening to this later, I hope you had a great time with that. I'm just excited to be back to normal. Um, Really, I, I want better than normal is what I'm really after with this, but I'm just excited that life is getting back to normal. We may still be doing fist bumps and that sort of stuff for a while, but we're getting better. Uh, and I'm quite excited about that. CFIs, future CFIs, aspirational CFIs, and everyone else listening, how on earth do we teach beyond the ACS? ACS, we know, stands for Airman Certification Standards. I find it very ironic, and you could be listening to this well into the future, but as of this recording, CFI is still one of the few um, ratings, or, and there's some certificates for that matter, that is still under the PTS. I find it very ironic. I earn my, C, my CFI to practical test standards, yet I am quizzed on private pilot and commercial pilot airman certification standards. Isn't that a little ironic with that? There's some, just some discrepancies between the two, but it's all good. Nothing we can't, uh, certainly nothing we can't work through with that. We'll focus on the ACS because I know one day the world will be a better place and CFI will go to the ACS. But in the meantime, how on earth do I teach our learners beyond the ACS? How do I teach beyond the ACS? The ACS, a wise checkride examiner once said this to me, this was in reference to the PTS many, many years ago, but it relates so perfectly to the ACS as well. The ACS is the worst you can do and still become a private pilot. When you think about it that way, it doesn't sound so appealing, right? You're thinking, everyone else says, oh, I fly to, I love, they, they say, I fly to ACS standards. Well. That's like saying it's the Airman Certification Standards. So when you say ACS standards, you're saying Airman Certification Standards standards. It's like when someone says go to the ATM machine, automated teller machine machine. It's a Jasonism, perhaps. You'll always hear me say Airman, or you'll hear me say ACS guidelines, which sounds a little better. Airman Certification Standards guidelines. Maybe it doesn't sound good <laughs> now that I say it out loud. Um, when you think about it, though. When someone says that's the worst you can do and still become a private pilot, it makes me think a little bit, wow, I don't want to do just enough to get by. Nobody wants to get a 70% on their knowledge test 
although I've done that before, embarrassingly enough. Many, many of you know my story. Um, long, long, many, many decades ago now, I guess. Not quite decades. Decade and then some years. But you look at this and think, how can we be teaching our learners beyond the bare minimums? And I think that's the first way to approach it. These are just the minimums. These are just the standards. Um, about four, maybe five weeks ago, so I do a show called In-Flight Coffee every Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the Missouri Facebook page. And one of them recently, uh, it was over, it would have been over the 4th of July weekend. So you go back and check it out. Uh, that would have been July, I think it would have been July, let me look at the calendar, maybe it was July 3rd. Whatever that Saturday is closest to July, it would have been, it would have been July 3rd. Go on the Facebook page, July 3rd, 2021, if you're, if you're interested in this topic. And I talked about just being suitable. I, I gave that analogy. Uh, Magda, uh, uh, many of you know Magda, my lovely lady. Uh, Magda and I were on the road just enjoying a, a nice 4th of July weekend, out traveling. And you know I enjoy my coffee and my good book and just like, in that case, on the terrace, right? I'm, we're pretty boring people. Um, and I was getting my coffee ready for in-flight coffee and they just, I'm, I've become like this coffee snob in a way. I promise I'll relate this to ACS here in a second. I've become this coffee snob a little bit. Um, I don't like, like Starbucks coffee. I like, I'd rather give the business to a mom and pop shop anyways. And I find their coffee is usually more fun and there's a story behind it and everything else too. Um, but this hotel just had a little Mr. Coffee. And the thing I told to Magda when I made it, she says, how is the coffee? I said, eh. It's suitable. And that word struck me. I don't know where it came from. Suitable. I thought, no one wants suitable coffee. And I took that a step further. Think about it in your personal life. No one wants a suitable relationship. No one wants suitable finances. And no one wants to be suitable in their flight training or in their safety or in aviation as a whole. I think being suitable is just doing what the ACS says to the bare minimums, the standards, because that's what they are. You want to be above average. Are you a C student? Or are you an A student? Well, don't think back to high school because I was the C student, C minus student in some cases. In aviation, let me tell you something. I know we're using cute examples and everything else, but in aviation, there's no option to be a C student. A C student ends up in the NTSB reports. I don't know how else to put it. I'm sorry to put it so bluntly. You have to always be pursuing more. I am not worried about you. And I'm literally looking, if you, I know as many of you listen to this on Audible, on iTunes, you can't see me. Some of you watching this on YouTube and Facebook, I am looking you square in the eyes right now. And let me tell you something, I am not worried about you. When I was learning to drive, my mother always told me, Jason, I'm not worried about you driving, I'm worried about everybody else out there driving. I think maybe your mother and father, whoever taught you to drive, probably told you something similar, right? I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about everyone else who's not listening to this. I'm especially not worried about you because you are either A, a CFI or B, an aspiring CFI, taking 15 minutes out of your day to listen to this, to learn more, to better yourself. And this may not be your first episode. And if it is, it probably won't be your last episode because you've got 
dozens of other episodes to go catch up on. And by the way, if you're really hungry, we have the private, the instrument, and the commercial pod podcast, three other podcasts to listen to. Again, Audible, iTunes, just search them out. On there, you can find it. It's incredible to me, absolutely incredible to me that people are just okay getting by with the standards. It is no different than getting a 70% of your knowledge test. It is no different than when's the last time you did stalls or steep turns, Jason? Oh, probably two years ago on my last flight review with you, 24 calendar months ago. I share that because I've heard it before. I hate it. Why can't we continue to practice? Why can't you set up a schedule every six months? You just do a quick lesson with a CFI, just a little tune up. Why can't we do at least just that? That's what we're after. And that's what I want to foster and work to create. All this being said, what do you do and how do you teach beyond the ACS? You say, okay, Jason, beyond the ACS. Okay. The ACS says for private pilot, um, you know, for a short field landing, zero feet in front, no more than 200 feet beyond. I'll hold them to hundred feet commercial standards. That's what I'll hold them to. That's not what I mean. I am not asking you to hold them to higher numeric standards. I'm not asking you to, in your mind, say the FAA gives us a 200 foot window. I'm only going to give them hundred feet. I'm not asking for that. Those are still numeric standards. What I'm asking you to do is give them the real world applicability of it. Practicing a short field landing on an 8,000 foot runway has zero consequence, right? In fact, the site picture is so skewed. I don't even know if it's doing the learner a service. We have a little airport here called Cedar Key. 2,200 feet paved water on either end, 2,200 feet, not that big of a deal. Not, not that difficult for someone like you or I to go in and out of there quite easily, still on our toes, but not terrible water on either end. There's a little psychological factor there to it, but to a 30 hour learner, 30 hour student pilot, that might as well be an aircraft carrier to them. Do you have airports? that can show them the importance of a short field landing. And by the way, a short field landing team, I have a, I don't know why, but I have a heading indicator here for some reason. You can't see this, some of you, but I'm holding up the heading indicator as if it were a runway. You know, a short, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it here for everybody listening and watching this. A short field landing doesn't have to be a 2000 foot strip. It could be a 3000 foot strip with an obstacle. You see, if I have an obstacle at the end of my fictitious runway, my actual what's called effective runway length could be cut in half. If it's a big enough obstacle, I have to clear. So often we forget, we think short field landing, short runway. And that is the case many times, but it could be a long runway, like a 3000 foot long runway with a big building or tower or tree, a stand of trees right at the end of it that shorten the effective runway length. You can use it all for takeoff, but you can't use it all for landing, obviously. Do you understand? Can you take your learners to a real soft field? Can you give them an engine failure down to landing on a real soft field or at a minimum an engine failure at 3000 feet down to a landing on a, on a paved runway? Can you give your learner experiences?
That's what I'm really meaning with all of this. I know some of you are, are stuck within the confines of a 141 syllabus. I love 141. I think it provides the structure that many CFIs and many learners need. As long as I, I've never run across a 141 syllabus that doesn't allow me to go above and beyond. All I have to do is the items listed in that TCO, in that particular lesson plan for that day, TCO's training course outline, in the particular lesson 12 for that day, I have to do this, this, and this. As long as I accomplish all those things, it doesn't say, well, Jason, no, it only says we can do three landings today. That's not how it works. You can do 10 landings as long as it's three or more. I'm allowed to certainly exceed the lesson plan and what it says. And I think that's what proves so important. And I know there's record keeping and everything else that goes into that. I, I love the 141 environment. Don't tell me the 141 environment has you in handcuffs because that's not true. The 141 environment provides you amazing structure that you can then add to. And don't tell me the 61 environment is too, too unstructured because you can do what I used to teach, which is I call part 61 and a half, whereas I take the freedom of a 61 curriculum, but the structure of a 141 syllabus and I customize it to my learners. That's how you go beyond the ACS. When your learner says they want to do a cross country and their main reason for learning to fly is to go see the grandkids who live in Georgia, you better believe one of our cross countries is going to be to the exact airport you are going to be flying to to go see the grandkids. In fact, I want the grandkids to come to the airport to watch grandpa land on, on our dual cross country. And I want to meet them too, because I, as your flight instructor, want to know who I'm doing this for as well, because I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it to see you light up when you get to give those grandkids hugs who you only get to see once a month because they live so far away. And it's a four hour drive or it's a two hour flight. That's what this is all about. That's what beyond the ACS really means. CFIs. If you think you can have a syllabus where it's a one size fits all, it, it meets the engineer's learning preferences, it meets the entrepreneur type A personality's learning preferences, it meets the retiree who wants to see the grandkids preferences versus the young kid who wants to have a career in aviation preferences. Those are four very different personas, buyer personas that purchase flight training. And they can't all be marketed to the same. They cannot all be sold the same. They cannot all be taught the same. There's so many facets to this in what we do. m Nation, you have such a responsibility as a flight instructor. You know, I know, um, I know a college degree is required. A bachelor's degree is required for, for most, um, uh, for most, aviation careers that you want to pursue. You need a bachelor's degree and associates just won't do it much anymore. Um, they, they're not always picky about the bachelor's degree, but I always encourage you to get a, a bachelor's degree in aviation management because I think it's important to have the business components of that. I would add as an elective, can you take a psychology class too? Because let me tell you something, as a flight instructor, you are an entrepreneur, even if you work for someone else's flight school, because you are the sales force. You're a sales team member, you're a psychologist, you are a lifeguard because you save lives every single day, you are an encourager, you are a mentor, a coach, a leader, and an example. 
I don't think the fundamentals of instruction written test tests for any of those things. Certainly does no one ever tell you how to be a business leader when it comes to, to becoming a flight instructor. That I had to learn. How, people often ask, Jason, how'd you become an entrepreneur? I became a flight instructor. That's how I became an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship and sales and marketing is thrust upon you when you become a flight instructor. You're in sales and customer service from day one as a flight instructor because your phone doesn't stop ringing and text message questions and emails and everything else. You're thrown right into it and no one prepares you for it. The Missouri Online Ground School will though. New CFI course we're actually shooting um, now. Very excited about that. Nation, you're a blessing. I love this podcast. I could go on and on for hours about this, but my goal is always to keep these around 15 minutes because that's the average commute. Not that everyone commutes anymore, but if you need more content, do know that we produce the Private Pod Podcast, the Instrument Pod Podcast, the Commercial Pod Podcast. On Audible, uh, we have all our audiobooks as well. Aviation Mastery, the book, will be shipping the end of August as well, so looking forward to that. Be a light in an otherwise dark place and be a blessing to others. Have a wonderful, outstanding, blessed rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you.